TalkLine Network Radio, America's longest-running Jewish broadcast network, the voice of the Jewish community. Welcome to the podcast. And now... You're listening to TalkLine with Zev Brenner, America's premier Jewish broadcast on the air since 1981. And now, here's your host... Welcome back to the program. I'm Zev Brenner. I can't believe it's been almost 20 years since we last had our next guest on the air with us. Rabbi Amiel Hirsch is a reformed Jewish rabbi, attorney. He practices in New York, but actually his full-time job is senior rabbi of the Stephen Wise Free Synagogue. He's a former executive director of the Association of Reformed Zionists of America, World Union for Progressive Judaism. And we last had him on when he wrote a book together with Rabbi Yosef Ryman of Lakewood called One People, Two Worlds. Good to have you back again. Thank you for joining us. It is very good to be back. You're no worse for the wear. Thank you for having me. <laughs> uh, my my pleasure. That book created controversy because there you were, a Reform rabbi with a Haredi rabbi from Lakewood. You wrote the book. I remember there was a lot of flack regarding that book. Uh, apparently in the Haredi community, there wasn't that much flack in uh, our side of the community. We believe in uh, that kind of dialogue. Uh, but, uh, you know, in the 20 years that have transpired, Zev, I, I should tell you, uh, I'm, I'm much more uh, sanguine with respect to controversy, too. I, uh, I, I think controversy often is a good thing. It's the way that society makes uh, progress. So if something was controversial, it's not always the case, but uh, it might indicate that this is actually an important uh, issue that's being raised and, you know, and things, new new approaches are controversial until they're accepted. And when they're accepted, they're no longer controversial. But you're not afraid to be a little controversial. And I'm referring to, well, first, let me just say and, and extend my condolences on the passing of your father, Rabbi Richard Hirsch, who, who, by the way, introduced Zionism to the reform movement. There was a period of time, a long period of time, where the reform movement didn't look up to Israel. They were anti-Zionist. And I think your family, your father, brought Zionism into the picture for the reform movement. Yeah, well, first of all, thank you for your uh, condolences. Uh, it's still somewhat raw. It's been only a couple of months. Uh, if you have a minute or two, I can uh, just mention about my father. My sure. father, My father was part of and responsible for the two most important historical decisions of the reform movement of the... Uh, second half of the 20th century. The first was he was the founding director of the Religious Action Center. That too was controversial when we set it up, when they set it up uh, in Washington, D.C., because uh, there were many people who believed that uh, religious movements should have nothing to do with uh, with the political system and should stay out of uh, politics and policymaking. Uh, but uh, the Counterview prevailed that uh, this is exactly what religions and what Judaism should do. We care about society in a nonpartisan way. We're not partisans, but we do care about policies. And the way policies are determined is through, among other ways, politics. And we have to be part of that. And uh, so uh, when they set up the Religious Action Center in D.C. in the 1960s, uh, my father became the founding director immediately, the civil rights movement exploded all around, uh, and the Religious Action Center became the hub of the civil rights movement. In fact, my father and Martin Luther King became very close friends. 
Uh, and much of the civil rights legislation of the 60s uh, was drafted in the conference room of the Religious Action Center. And my father told Reverend King, listen, whenever you're in town, use park over here, park in the Religious Action Center, use it as an office, we'll, we'll give you office space and so on. And that charted uh, the decades long commitment now of the reform movement to religious action, social justice. The second um, uh, decision that he was uh, involved in and was essentially responsible for uh, that, in my view, might have even been more, uh, uh, from a history's perspective, more consequential, was he was absolutely committed to the idea that any Jewish movement that was not rooted in Israel and could not succeed in Israel would be relegated to the margins of history. And so he felt that it was an historical imperative for the reform movement to be centered in what was going to be the center of the Jewish world, the Jewish state. And so uh, in 1973, he moved the international headquarters of the reform movement to Jerusalem uh, and began to develop a movement that has uh, continued to blossom and become a significant force uh, in Israel now. And, and that was based on an ideology, uh, Zaev, that uh, you raised in your question that, uh, that, that uh, Israel is the heart of the Jewish world and that it represents the most eloquent expression of Jewish peoplehood in our times. And uh, Jewish peoplehood is the future of, uh, of uh, world Judaism. So, um, no, I, no uh, question so about that. That's uh, there's very important things because the reform movement didn't really wasn't really Zionistic, and I know that you are very Zionistic pushing that. But my question to you is, and you've written you've written about this, is that the social action, the social justice, has become almost a religion within the reform Jewish movement to the point where they view Israel, and I'm talking about young reform Jews and young conservative Jews view Israel as an apartheid state. They don't want any part of it. They don't feel a connection to Israel. So the irony is that the social justice, the more progressive one is within the reform movement, the less they like Israel, the more anti-Israel they are. Uh, well, I think it might be a little more complicated than that. It's it's hard to uh, really uh, generalize in that way. But I, I, I will say this. Um, there has always been a very profound an important tension within uh, Jewish civilization and the Jewish faith between its particularistic nature, we are a people, and its universal aspirations and obligations. Uh, last week, uh, we began reading the passages connected with Abraham in the Parsha of the Week, you know, it's all there at the very beginning of Judaism and Lech Lecha. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing to all the families of the earth, and all the families of the earth will bless themselves through you. So right at the very beginning of Judaism, we have this tension between, or the, these elements of Judaism, both of which are imperative and fundamental, between the Jewish particular, which 
um, brings about and requires national territory. And the purpose of the existence of our nation, which is not for self-aggrandizement, it's not for conquest, it's not for ego, it's in order to bring and constitute a blessing for humanity. And so those two elements, what we might call today, Klal Yisrael and Tikkun Olam, have always been present in Judaism. They are always been equally important. But we Jews have been a blessing, Rabbi Hirsch. Tikkun Olam became a religion unto itself. So, so I want to say, as if, so the key is, <laughs> and then, I'm, and then I, I'm open to criticism and feedback, and I have a response for you. But the key is, to find, is not to negate one at the expense of the other. The key is to find the right balance in Judaism. That was always the, 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 the essence of being a Jew and being a member of the Jewish people, uh, which had responsibilities to the world entire. Now, when the balance becomes out of whack, then it distorts basic Jewish values. And our, our task, both as uh, individual Jews, but also if we're in leadership, is to constantly try and bring the Jewish world into balance between these two uh, principles which could be in tension with one another if they're not in balance. And there have been periods of time, uh, and I think we're increasingly in one of them, where the balance becomes out of whack. By the way, I have my critique with the Orthodox community too. Sometimes the balance is out of whack on the other side in the Orthodox community. It's all Jewish peoplehood and no obligations to the world at large. So, um, I, I do believe that uh, in recently, in particular, um, we are beginning to slide in some elements of the liberal Jewish world, which in turn is influenced by the liberal gestalt in general, the liberal philosoph philosophical bent of the 21st century West. Uh, and uh, I consider it my role to try and uh, push our camp back into the center, back into the warm embrace of Jewish peoplehood. There is no meaning to Judaism in the absence of Klal Yisrael, the Jewish people. No, I'm glad you said, and by the way, being a Jew means that tension. And you're supposed to have two business cards, we're taught. One is supposed to say, because of me, the world is created. The other one is nothing but dust and ashes. So, And we have to know how to balance it. But the problem is, is that tikkun olam, as I started to say, that's rectification of the world and making a better place has become religion unto itself to the detriment where most people or a lot of people who are involved in Tukun Olam not involved in Jewish causes. They'll help any other cause but the Jewish cause or very little. And look at Israel. How many of the young people today in the reform and conservative movements are very active in Israel? There was a survey done which was printed in the Long Island Jewish World a few years ago that said there's a disconnect. A lot of young Jews feel no connection to Israel. Except if, God forbid, there's a tragedy, then all of a sudden they get connected. So if they go through without a connection to Israel, the next generation will have even less of a connection. This is the problem we face today. I, I, listen, I, I, I agree. We do face a problem. It, it seems to me to be an intensifying or accelerating problem. Uh, problem. I, I, I say this to you non-empirically because I, I haven't done empirical research on it, but, but I'm connected with with the people you know that's what i do every day I'm, i talk to dozens of people i'm connected with thousands of people who are members of my congregation and my colleagues congregations 
And so I can tell you my impression is that most uh, American Jews, liberal American Jews, who identify as Jews, who in some way or another come into contact with the Jewish community, most of them uh, resonate to what I say. Our guest is Rabbi Amil Hirsch, a Reformed Jewish rabbi, attorney. He is the senior rabbi at the Stephen Wise Free Synagogue in Manhattan, former executive director of the Association of Reformed Zionists of America. We're going to be right back. Don't go away. Stay tuned. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Talk Line Radio and TV with Zeb Brenner is just phenomenal. Everybody concerned about the Jewish community should listen and watch. He has the best guests. He asks the most interesting questions. He's always so well prepared. It's talk radio and television from a Jewish point of view at its very best. To advertise on the Talkline Network and Talkline's email and social media blasts reaching over 70,000 people, please call 212-769-1925, extension 100. That's 212-769-1925, extension 100. Or email info at talklinenetwork.com. You're listening to Talkline with Zev Brenner, America's premier Jewish broadcast on the air since 1981. And now, here's your host. Welcome back to the program, Mom. Zev Brenner. Our guest is Rabbi Emil Hirsch, Reformed Jewish Rabbi Attorney. He is a senior rabbi of the Stephen Weiss Free Synagogue, former executive director of the Association of Reformed Zionists of America, World Union for Progressive Judaism. So my question for you is, is how do we get the young people to be more Jewish-oriented, more Israel-oriented? It works hand-in-hand. It works in tandem with each other. Yeah, well, um, we look. We have a uh, collective uh, Jewish responsibility in the in the diaspora outside of Israel, um, and uh, well, the one thing that I, I think is important, especially for your listenership, uh, Zev, is most American Jews have not, are not, and will not be Orthodox. If there is going to be an a, an American Jewish community that is influential, that is large. Uh, it will be comprised mostly of uh, non-Orthodox Jews, uh, a plurality of, of whom will, describe, will define themselves as liberals. And so it's our collective responsibility. Of course, first and foremost, it falls on the reform movement itself to educate the next generation of Jews to be both Tikkun Olam Jews and Klal Yisrael Jews. Uh, but it's a... Uh, it's a responsibility that we all have, and uh, which is one of the reasons why I was, I'm glad that you still remember the book that I wrote, because that was an effort, both on Rabbi Reinman's part, as well as my part, to bridge differences and to create uh, dialogue. So obviously, uh, you know, our, our, our issue about Jewish continuity in the United States is about education. And uh, we have to do a good job, and I think we have to do a better job than what we're doing now. Uh, to not only educate our people in Jewish literacy, but to infuse them with a passion for Judaism, for Jewish peoplehood, and for the state of Israel. And that's a big challenge because a lot of them have a disconnect, and I'm 
being generalistic, but a lot of them have feelings that Israel is an apartheid state. It's oppressing the Palestinians. You hear that. I hear that. You hear that. From yes, your- I hear that a lot, but I think it's important not to overstate that phenomenon, too. It is a serious phenomenon. It's an urgent crisis. I myself have uh, said that and have uh, written about that and preached about that. But uh, I still, as I said to you before, I still, in, again, I haven't, dis- I haven't researched this empirically, but I do believe that the empirical research also bears out that most of our people, including most liberal Jews who identify with the Jewish community, um, are where we want them to be. Okay. Uh, what do you mean by of, uh, what do you mean by where they, you want them to be? Where, where I think that they they identify with the Jewish people, they are proud of their Jewish heritage. They may have uh, criticism about this or that Israeli policy, but they are not anti-Zionists, and they certainly uh, don't join uh, the BDS crowd and the uh, the anti-Zionist crowd and the apartheid crowd. Some of them do, and it's an increasing increasingly uh, challenging problem for you ha- us. You but, have intersectionality but... where they link all progressive causes of being anti-Israel. Look at college campuses. It's very hard to express a pro-Israel point of view. The academics are anti-Israel, and you have the student body. Uh, in fact, the Professor Alan Dershowitz told me that of a student that was afraid to say he was pro-Israel, he couldn't get a date with a Jewish girl if he said he's pro-Israel. Yeah, so, I don't, it's a, it's I, a big I don't know about it, but I don't deny and I think it's right that um, the uh, atmosphere on campuses is uh, intimidating. Uh, I'm just my, the point I'm making is I, I I wouldn't assume that because the because Jews on a particular campus are hesitant to speak out or to march in favor of Israel, or even to march in opposition to pro BDS uh, activity on campus. I wouldn't necessarily assume that that. The silence of the Jewish community is because they agree with the BDS crowd. I think, I think there's a significant amount of confusion and intimidation, and we haven't done uh, the job that we need to do to infuse these younger uh, Jews with uh, Jewish pride and Jewish literacy. I, I accept that. Now, I'm not sure where Tikkun Olam became such an important part of Judaism. It's, listen, we have a responsibility to be a light onto the nations and look at how many Nobel Prize, look at how many inventions coming from Israel that are saving the world. And it happens on a day-to-day basis. It continues to happen. But to be the primary function of a young Jew in the reform or conservative movement, that that's the raison d'etre, Tikkun Olam, forgive me, I think the emphasis on the wrong thing, the thing should be more in Judaic practice. Like you said, first you start with your people, you want to help other people, it's fine. But Tikkun Olam has ended, has become a situation where young Jews tend to focus more on non-Jewish causes than Jewish causes, including Israel. And that's part of the problem that we're seeing today. I'm not sure that's a uh, completely fair characterization, Zev. I, I think that most of the liberal Jews who practice tikkun olam, who devote themselves to what we uh, what they say is tikkun olam, do so out of authentic, sincere Jewish motivations. They believe that this is the requirement of Judaism, and they're not wrong about that. It is a Jewish requirement to care about hunger in the street, 
to care about uh, economic uh, devastation, to care about uh, the, the health and well-being. Oh, I agree with you. But let me society. ask you a question. You see young reformers will volunteer for a soup kitchen for regular people. How many of them will volunteer for a Jewish soup kitchen like Matzbia? Yeah. Well, um, not enough, and I and there should be more. But don't discount the volunteering in a general soup kitchen. We ourselves in our congregation, uh, we have a, it's called a pantry, okay? And, and every Shabbat morning we have uh, volunteers who hand out food. And uh, pre-pandemic and hopefully post-pandemic, we had a, a nightly shelter for uh, eight to 10 homeless men. And, uh, and I'm saying as a Zionist, I, I consider that our obligation as a Klal Yisrael Jew to the world at large. And it's a, it is a, a absolute uh, obligation that stems from Judaism to care about uh, the society in which we live, which includes non-Jews as well. Oh, of and course. so Nobody I, I, that. That is I, wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, discount the motivations of those uh, American Jews who are saying because of their perception of the obligations of Judaism to, t to do tikkun olam, that therefore they're, uh, they're um, volunteering in the general soup kitchen. I wouldn't discount their Jewish I'm, I'm motivation. not discounting, but my question to you, and, and listen, they're doing it because they're motivated and they're coming from a good place. But my question to you is, is that we have also a religious precept, is that when you have a poor person, you start it first at home. So you want to help other people? help them. In fact, the Orthodox Jewish community recently donated a lot of food to the victims in Haiti from the earthquake. Terrific. But I'd love to see those same young people that are volunteering in the soup kitchen or helping homeless people that are not Jewish at least give equal time to Jewish soup kitchens, to the Jewish poor. You know, after the blacks and the Spangs in New York, the group that constitutes the largest group of poverty in New York City are Jews. So I'd like to see that same commitment to the Jewish community, but I feel that it gets skewered to the non-Jewish end and not enough attention is paid at home to our community. Um, listen, I, uh, I understand what you're saying. Um, I just, I, I don't think that one really necessarily comes at the expense of the other. It's a question uh, of priorities, what you, it's what's being taught. In other words, I, how come we don't see enough of that attention? Why don't we see reformed Jews or conservative Jews or progressive Jews roll up their sleeves and be helpful, as helpful as they are to the non-Jewish? And they should do what they're doing with the non-Jews. But why don't we see equal time in our own community, in our own backyard, to our own people? Well, first of all, we do. We do. Okay, we have, uh, I can tell you, in our congregation, we have mitzvah corps that deal with, uh, that do all kinds of things, including visiting hospitals and uh, taking food to hungry Jews and, and so on. So we do. And that, too, is a function of, uh, is a Jewish expression. It's a function of Jewish values. So I, I wouldn't, you know, I, all I'm saying is I, I would be careful one, in discounting the authentic Jewish motivations of American Jews who work in general soup kitchens, for example. Uh, and two, to, to, to just be a little um, hesitant before, you know, we, we, we assume that one comes at the expense of the other. Yes, time is limited and we can't do everything, but, but we need to do everything. We need to do it all. As a community, we need to do it all. And we need to teach it all. We need to teach that we have obligations to society at large and we have obligations to fellow Jews. See, 
I, I'm, I'm not sure if we're disagreeing, but here the question is priorities. Is the first priority is to first help our community and then help others, or is the first priority to help other people and then help our community? I think it's a way of looking at it. And in the Orthodox Jewish community, they're saying, yes, let's help the Haitian, let's help anybody who needs help. But our, also, our, our beginning and top priority, of course, is taking care of the poor, the needy, the sick within our own community. And I get the sense that in some of the more progressive communities, their first priority is to help the non-Jew. And that, oh, we'll do a mitzvah here, a mitzvah there, but the priority is to help those that are not part of the community. That's the, that's the sense that I'm getting and, and those that are, watch a Jewish thing get that same sense. You, I'm sure you've heard it before. I'm not telling you anything new. Yes, I, I, I appreciate that that's the sense that you get. Uh, all, I'm, all I'm suggesting <laughs> to you is I'm not sure that that sense is totally accurate. Okay, so but but the end of the day, and that by the way, that also relates to Israel because if you have a strong Jewish identity, then you're going to be more pro-Israel, and the the weaker the Jewish identity, the less commitment to Israel. I think you would agree with me about that. I totally agree with that. I've written about that 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 identification with Israel in, from the diaspora right. tends to be in direct proportion to identification with Judaism. And by the way, what we're seeing is is that the Orthodox community is growing because of the high birth rate. So right now it might be 9 and 10% of the American Jewish population, but it's going to be growing. The conservative movement seems to be imploding. Either people are becoming reform or becoming Orthodox. The reform movement is still strong. But the challenge that you have is how do you commit and relegate to the next generation that they have to be more committed when we're seeing what's happening both in college campuses, general society, there's a growing anti-Semitism. So how do we get them more Jewishly committed, more Israel committed? Are you? I, I mean, I agree with you. We need to get them more Jewishly committed and more Israel committed. If you're asking how we do that, we have to, uh, we, we have to develop programs, uh, commit to it, spend money on it. The entire Jewish community, by the way. That's the that's the point. That's that's the point that I make to uh, to your uh, listeners as well. That the the most American Jews are not going to be Orthodox. It is true that there might be an increasing percentage of Orthodox Jews. So that twenty thirty years from now, the percentage of Orthodox of American Orthodox Jews will be higher than it is now. That is true. But that might also be because um, uh, the, 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 the American Jewish community itself is shrinking in numbers, and so the proportion of the Orthodox Jews in the American Jewish community is growing. But it's all because be of the high birth rate, and also a lot of people that are, bec that are looking for meaning in life and becoming Orthodox. The Baal Tshuva movement, the return to is a very strong movement as well. Yeah, and I'm, I'm happy for that. I, uh, you know, if uh, any Jew that finds their place within the Jewish community uh, is a good thing, and I'm uh, happy for that, and I encourage that. Uh, nonetheless, this is what I'm saying. Uh, the, uh, the, the, in, the um, essential character of the American Jewish community will always be driven by a majority that is not Orthodox. I cannot see a situation where uh, American Jews, uh, by their in their majority, define themselves as Orthodox. And so, uh, to to a certain degree, you know, to uh, sustain the uh, influence of American Jewish community, to sustain the uh, vitality of the American Jewish community, to sustain the institutions 
of the American Jewish community. You mentioned Chabad. Chabad derives much of its support from non-Chabad Jews. I think they're the biggest competitor to conservative reform synagogues is Chabad, right? Okay, but to sustain all of this, uh, we need a strong, viable Jewish community that uh, almost by definition, because of the conditions of the West, will not be orthodox. And so it's a common challenge. We have a common challenge. And how do we do that? We persuade more people to uh, invest in more teachers, to invest in more institutions. In my view, there are three critical institutions that are primarily responsible for American Jewish continuity. And in this respect, you know, I have a lot of criticism for the Orthodox community that I'm happy to share with you, but Jewish continuity is not one of their problems. They have a lot of other problems, but Jewish continuity is not the primary problem in the Orthodox community. It is the primary challenge in the non-Orthodox community. And so um, uh, we, we have a collective responsibility to ensure Jewish continuity by funding the weaker links in the Jewish community. And that includes all of us. And we, by the way, I too have solicited uh, non-reform traditional donors and have received their support because they realize whether they agree with liberal or even define themselves as liberals or not, and many of them don't. They agree that much of the Jewish future will be determined by what we are able to do and what we, how successful we are in the non-Orthodox community. Listen, there needs to be, and listen, the reform movement has changed, Rabbi Hirsch, as you know. You, your father brought Zionism, Israel, which was verboten in the reform movement. There's more of a return to tradition, wearing a yarmulke. I think even in some of the reform synagogues, they'll have a kosher, and they'll have even Chol of Yisrael, I found in one of the reform synagogues in New York. So there's a return to tradition, and that's what I'm saying. In order to survive, I think there needs more of a return to tradition, more Jewish values. And I think whatever Tikkun Olam we spoke about before is important. I think embracing more internal Jewish value, getting more young people involved in helping first in our community, I think that will make a much stronger movement uh, for Jewish continuity throughout. I, I don't think we, look, where we might disagree is on emphasis and nuance, not on the principles. I completely agree. We need to intensify Jewish education, Jewish literacy, and Jewish passion for Klal Yisrael. I and Jewish day schools. I, I, are there enough Jewish day schools? I was, I was going to say, there are three, in my view, there are three primary Jewish institutions that are responsible for much of American Jewish continuity. And it, they're all outside the Orthodox community because the Orthodox community has many other problems, but Jewish continuity is not the primary one. They are. Jewish day schools, Jewish summer camps, very important, and synagogues. And at the heart of those three institutions, the heart of the Jewish establishment is synagogues, uh, because we are the only ones who have cradled to grave uh, comprehensive uh, Jewish identity building. So when I have asked people who are who do not uh, define themselves as Reform Jews and do not even consider themselves liberals. When I have asked them for support, for us to be able to build these types of institutions, many of them have granted their support because they agree with what I suggested to you, Zev, which is this is where the 
the character of the Jewish community, the future of the Jewish community will be forged, and we need to invest in those institutions, and they're mostly non-Orthodox. Before I let you go, you said Jewish continuity is not a problem in the Orthodox community. What do you perceive as the problems within the Orthodox community? I think there's an increasing uh, ghettoization of uh, Orthodoxy, an increasing uh, bent towards fundamentalism. Uh, and an increasing discomfort with modernity in the Orthodox community and uh, an unwillingness to uh, actually, uh, you know, uh, en engage uh, other Jews. So they can talk about Klal Yisrael and speak about it eloquently and speak about Keruv, but, you know, if you mentioned uh, the book I, I, I wrote with Rabbi Reinman, uh, when it actually came time to doing the hard work of Keruv, they pulled out. That was the book you wrote together with the Haredi Rabbi, Rabbi Yosef Rahman of Lakewood, New Jersey. What was it? One people? Two worlds. Two worlds. But by the way, modernization is there. While there was an attempt to ban the Internet, it didn't work. Even the Good of America uses the Internet. I think social media has also changed the dynamics where the Orthodox community is even more involved uh, with the general world. Look at the postings, look what's going on. And you have different trends. You have modern orthodoxy, you have Haredi orthodoxy, but look, you have a Haredi judge, you have Haredi politicians, so it's, and they're involved in all kinds of social issues go beyond the Jewish community. So I would disagree with you on that. Yes, there are strains of those that are becoming more religious, more fundamentals, but you also have that engagement society I mentioned, which I was very pleased to see just a few weeks ago. We had in Rockland County in Muncie and in Brooklyn, where they had a major food drive for Haitians to send food to Haiti. I thought that was that was terrific. I, I do too. I think it's terrific. That's happening, and it's happening more than my impression is, then that's a good thing. I, I, that's a nice... But that just better, my point is that it's just and where you and I disagree is where the starting point. I'd like to see more in the progressive movement where the first emphasis on Jewish and then go to elsewhere as opposed to starting elsewhere and then going to the Jewish community. I think right. that sets the priorities. Just, uh, just, just for clarification... Both need to happen at the same time. That's my perspective. But it ended up not happening at the same time. The Orthodox community happens to be more within the community, and the progressive community that focuses more on the non-Jewish world as far as getting involved in those causes before the Jewish community. It can't happen simultaneously. It has to be a priority, and I think that's where, if a priority is more of a Jewish one, I think you'll see a stronger Jewish identity uh, within your movement. That's just how I perceive it from being outside the movement. Do, do you want me to respond? Yeah, no, you, can, you can respond. Yeah, no, absolutely, so I, absolutely. We're having a conversation. <laughs> okay. I'm not afraid to hear what you have to say. <laughs> so again, again, I say uh, part and parcel of Jewish values is to uh, repair the world uh, and and to and to do gemilut uh, chasadim. So um, I uh, I think both can happen. Both can happen at the same time. There is nothing wrong and everything right in emphasizing to uh, liberal American Jews that we have obligations towards fellow Jews and we have obligation towards society at large and to human beings, and both need to be fulfilled equally. 
Rabbi Amiel Hirsch, uh, who is the, an attorney, he's also senior rabbi of the Stephen Wise Free Synagogue, former executive director of the Association of Reformed Zionists of America. We appreciate you being here with us, and we do hope that we see more Jewish identity, more Israel orientation, because I am concerned, as you are concerned, about the progressive move where you're seeing more of an anti-Zionist or a non-Zionist stance among young people, and I think we have to do whatever we can to stop that. So we appreciate you being here with us. Thank you very much for having me. And uh, Zev, don't wait for another 20 years to have me No, no, on. no. no. Well, that, maybe we should do a book together or a movie. <laughs> <laughs> With pleasure. <laughs> Thank you so much. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks for listening. For continuous Jewish programs, hawklinenetwork.com or our 24-hour-a-day listen line at 641 741 0389. For past shows, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, YouTube, Instagram, and all major podcast platforms or jewishpodcast.org. Thanks for listening to the TalkLineNetwork.com. TalkLine Network Radio, America's longest-running Jewish broadcast network, the voice of the Jewish community.